Welcome to the Prophecy Club. Today I'm going to tell you about the revelations that are received when I memorize the book of Revelation. Now, I never have done this. I never have actually gone through them step by step. We've just kind of put all of them in a book uh, and then kind of summarized them all. But uh, today I'm going to actually tell you how they came about as best as I can remember. There's about 30 of them, and the information I have in the book is probably twice what I got by all of these revelations. In other words, as I was writing the book, the revelations just kept coming. I mean, I was at a level, I mean, my fingers were flying across the keyboard, and I was at a level that is above stand. I do not, I'm not that smart. I can't remember six or seven or eight things at once like I was when I was typing the book. But anyway, let me go through some of the revelations. The, one of the revelations was that the 144,000 are Israeli boys who died in the first year, who never sinned or learned to talk. Now, all of the details are in the book, so I'm not going to go into the details. But essentially, I remember that morning, we went into church, and I had uh, a PowerPoint, and I was talking about the 144,000 and the information I had up to that point. And I remember at the conclusion of that 45-minute session, we were all saying, you know, they've got to be young, because in their mouth is found no guile. So how do you find someone that has lived a full life and never let anything wrong come out of their mouth? And the next thing is that they're without fault before the throne of God. So they've got to be young. So that, I don't know, probably a couple of days later, I was going through memorizing my lines. This is back when I was memorizing the book, and I would go over it and over it and over it. And all of a sudden, I saw it. I mean, in Leviticus 23, one of the sacrifice specifically for the first fruits. Because these are the first fruits. There's a scripture in Revelation 14 that says, These are they which redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. Meaning, the 144,000 are the first fruits. They are the first fruits of the final harvest. Now, what does that mean, first fruits? It doesn't mean second fruits. It doesn't mean third fruits. It means that the 144,000 are the first ones to be resurrected from the dead into the new glorified body since Jesus. Now, that's not saying that other people haven't come out of the grave and they're not in heaven and things like that, but I'm talking about that they got the final body. They got the glorified body because they came out of the grave and they are the first fruits and they are also the cry. And that's another thing. And, and I saw that. I don't remember how that happened. I was just long in studying. It's like, what would happen is all of a sudden just knowledge would just j jump in into my head. And I, I, I mean, I would know it's not me. I mean, I'm just sorry, but I'm just not that smart. And I remember it's like I just a knowing would come on me. Now, let me talk about the knowing for just a second. Back in probably 19, well, I guess it would be 1993, was when I received a, or a, a prophecy from Gene Bacon prophet of God, and I remember part of the prophecy said that you're going to be doing meetings all over, and this was, I mean, Prophecy Club had just started three weeks before. I didn't even know we were going to be having meetings at that time, and he certainly didn't. He'd never met me. He didn't know what I did for a living. As a matter of fact, I wasn't even full-time in Prophecy Club at that time, but part of the prophecy said you're going to be doing meetings uh, all over, and he said, and they will show up to the meetings. Well, of course, and for, I don't know, eight-some-odd years, we did meetings. 
that was one time we were doing 40 meetings a month all across America. So that started me in the world of giving personal prophecies. Now, what I discovered is that when God wants me to give a personal prophecy, in most cases, he will show me a vision. Now, that doesn't mean that the room whole, whole room disappears. It just means that I kind of see it. It's, it's hard to explain. It's kind of like a, a smoke. You know, you see it in the spirit, but you see it. And when I see that, then I describe the entire vision to the person that I'm giving the prophecy to, and then the Holy Spirit gives me the interpretation. And I've talked about that a couple of times, but, I mean, my wife and I have given over 5,000 of those personal prophecies. I wouldn't say that's my first ministry. Matter of fact, most people who give personal prophecies <laughs> don't like giving personal prophecies because it really puts you out on the limb. I mean, either you're going to get it right or you really, really mess up bad. So most people don't care for doing them. And I guess I'd have to say that uh, I, my – well, let's put it this way. Ken Peters said – when your desire to be a blessing exceeds your fear of missing it, then you can be a blessing. So I like being a blessing. Now, let me go back to my point. Okay, so in the process of giving a personal prophecy, there are times where you know, you know that you know that you know, no, no, that what you're telling this person is right. And it's almost like, I mean, there's been times I can remember with, with a man I remember one time I, I I got right in his face and I was with my fingers sticking out. I was I was punching him in the chest with my finger and I said, "And that's right, isn't it?" It's like I dare you to say no. <laughs> you know, in the spirit you'll do things that in the natural you won't do. But and and of course the tears started coming. He said, "Yes, he says that's right, that's right." In other words, my point is there's a knowing. And kind of like God just gave wisdom to the Israelites that were just, they came out of slavery. And all of a sudden now, they're making the Ark of the Covenant a very cunning piece of work. They are inscribing uh, the, the names of the 12 tribes of Israel into very expensive gemstones. They're doing things that they don't have the knowledge to do. Well, that's the way it was. I would just get this knowing, and I would just know that I know that I know, no, no, that what I'm saying, what I'm writing, what I'm typing, whatever it is at the moment, is correct. Well, that's the way it was with the 144,000. I knew that these 144,000 Israelite boys who died in the first year were the first fruits. And they are the cry. At midnight, there went out a cry. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. So that cry is saying, without a doubt, this is the year. Without a doubt, Jesus is about to come. So when, if you're living in Israel, especially if you're living in Jerusalem at this particular time, I believe that when the first fruits, the last first fruits arrives, just like Acts one eleven says, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus shall so come in like manner. Well, what did he leave? He left in a lamb body wearing normal clothes. He just let... Thomas feel his nail scars. He just had fish with his disciples. So he's going to return in a normal body with normal clothes the next time. And he returns down to the Mount of Zion with the 144,000 one-year-old Israeli boys. Why? Because Leviticus 23 says that's part of the sacrifice, that they have to sacrifice a lamb, a he lamb without blemish of the first year. So that's what the 144,000 are. Well, that was a major revelation. 
and see, I, I don't think anybody else has got that. And that's, that's what I'm trying to say, that everything in this book is all new revelations. I don't think anyone has been given this. And it's, again, I'm, not, I'm nothing special, okay? I think God just sent it because you're special. I think you are special in that you are part of the last day's harvest. You are the people that are going to be going into the tribulation. You are the people that are going to have the opportunity to become an overcomer. Revelation defines an overcomer, doesn't say it exactly in those words, or these words, but an overcomer is one that sees the beast, hears the beast, resists the beasts, does not take the mark, does not worship his image, or receive the number of his name. And those people are very, very special. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God that had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither received his mark in the forehead or in her hand, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Those are the overcomers that become judges. Some overcomers, look, if you live, if you see the beast, if you do not take the mark of the beast, you will be an overcomer. Now, I'm not talking about an overcomer as defined by the New Testament. In other words, the books of the New Testament other than Revelation. Because Revelation has a very special definition for an overcomer. So these 144,000, they will be the cry. They will be the sign. Absolutely, positively, when you see the 144,000 Israeli boys, some people say, well, are they going to be resurrected to a one-year-old body or a mature body? I don't know, but probably a mature body. But when you see them walking all over Mount Zion, Mount Zion is about a 30-minute walk from the Mount of Olives, which is where Jesus returns about four months later on, well, it would be about five months later from, from First Fruits. Uh, and he returns about five, actually more like about six, almost seven months later uh, as King of Kings, Lord of Lords. That's when he puts his foot down on the Mount of Olives. They split in two. That's when the water flows out because the New Jerusalem comes down and all that sort of stuff. That's all Zechariah 14 stuff. Also, the 144,000, they will be the first fruits of the barley harvest. That's the harvest. This is the first fruits of those people that are sons of Israel. And it happens on first fruits, which is the 17th day of the first month. Now, that's another thing. I have not, I'm not a big expert on the feasts. I mean, you'd think so. But again, since this stuff didn't come from me, it didn't come from my research, didn't come from my intelligence. I want to make you absolutely clear on that. This came by the anointing, by the revelation of God. Also, the next revelation of God is the barley harvest of the 144,000 is sealed before the locusts arrive. The locusts arrive in the fifth trumpet. And I saw an angel fall from heaven. To him was given a key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit. And there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of that great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there arose out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. And power was given him as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green tree, neither any green thing. But here it is, only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. So the 144,000 have been sealed. Revelation 7 tells all about it. That sealing tells us that the 144,000 have arrived before the locusts arrive. We also know that once the locusts arrive, it's about five months until Jesus returns. And we know this again from the fifth trumpet. 
The next revelation is that the earthly father's name on their forehead, what that is. Now, here's the story on that. So it was a Sunday afternoon, and I had just been cramming in the Bible all day Friday and Saturday. And so after I'd delivered the sermon Sunday morning, uh, my wife had to go over to my daughter's house for a shower. And we were... Uh, so I decided I would just go back home, and I was, like, bobbled out. <laughs> so I thought, I believe I'm going to read me a, a a novel. So I pulled out a Jack Reacher novel, and I began reading this. And I thought anything but the Bible, because at that time, I, I just had to get away from Bible for a little. So I'm reading my Jack Reacher novel, and all of a sudden, the Lord speaks to me. Now, it wasn't an audible voice, but if God wants to talk to you, brothers and sisters, he doesn't need an audible voice for you to hear him. As a matter of fact, if you want to find out if God will talk to you, if you'd like to know the prayer to pray, I'll tell you the prayer to pray to get God to talk to you. might not like it, but here's the prayer to pray. Just say, Lord, please make me more Christ-like. Show me anything that I need to change <laughs> in Jesus' name. And then get ready. You're about to hear from God. might not be too pleasant, but depends on your call, depends on your walk, but uh, you're about to hear from me. So anyway... So I'm reading this novel, and all of a sudden the Lord speaks in my heart. He says, what is the name on the forehead of the 144,000? So I closed the book, and I stopped, and I answered the Lord out loud. And I said, I don't know. I didn't think it was that important. I said, okay, well, I said, I guess I need to answer his question. Uh, okay, so I quoted it to myself. I looked, and lo. A lamb stood upon the Mount Sinai with him 144,000, having his father's name written in the foreheads. Okay, so what's the name on the foreheads? Well, I'm kind of thinking, what difference does it make? Well, apparently, it made a difference for him to speak to me and ask me, what's the name on the foreheads? So I said, all right, okay, let's see, it's got to be yod Hey, vav Hey, you know, Yahweh, or Yeshua, or Jesus, or something like that, Right? And so I thought I'd answer it correct, and end of story, I went back to reading. Uh, no. <laughs> so so here, here came the question again. What's the name on the forehead of the 144,000? I thought, okay, all right, I guess this is serious. You really want me to answer that? All right, let me think, let me think. All right. I looked, and lo, a lamb stood upon the Mount Sinai. And with him, 144,000, having his father's name written in his forehead. What's the name on the forehead of the 144,000? What's the name on the forehead of the 144,000? What's the name? Well, okay, all right, fine. I, I'll say it is, it's got to be yod hey vav hey because it wouldn't be Yeshua. They don't even know about Yeshua yet. So it's got to be yod hey vav hey for God the Father. So, kind of like in that millionaire show, <laughs> I said, so So that's my, that's my, I know it doesn't sound too religious to talk to God that way, but but I said, but I think that's my final answer. I'll say yod hey vav hey. I think that's the name on the, the hair. Okay, so, we're back to reading. And then, I mean, it went a minute later, and the answer came to me. And he said, it is their earthly Father's name. And all of a sudden, it was like it was downloaded to me. And it was like he brought to mind, you remember David, 
Okay, and David and Bathsheba had this little affair. A child came out of that affair. That child died at seven days old. And he did not say directly that that's going to be one of the children, one of the 144,000. But based upon the way it popped into my mind, I conclude that he is probably one of the 144,000, meaning the name of the 144,000, name on their forehead, is their earthly father's name. In other words, their family name. For example, the child that David and Bathsheba had probably on the name of the head of that child will probably be the name David or David in, in Hebrew. Now, you say, okay, so why is that so important? Well, that's what I asked the Lord. So why is that so important? The reason is it's not the importance of the name on the forehead, although that may help them to identify their children when they actually see them uh, in their resurrected bodies. I don't know how that's going to work. I'll leave that up to God. But it says that the 144,000 are extremely important in that he would interrupt me from reading my Jack Reacher novel to ask me what's the name on the forehead of the 144,000. Now, it doesn't sound like much to you, but if he would do that, not just once but twice and then give me the answer, obviously important. Okay, so I began saying, Lord, okay, so why is that so important? Why is the name on the forehead so important? Well, it's not the name on the forehead that's so important. This is finally what I concluded after a lot of seeking and prayer. It's that the 144,000 are important. Why? Because the 144,000 is the day, first fruits, that Jesus returns the next time. It is the first fruits, those people that get their new glorified body. And it is also the cry, behold, the bridegroom cometh. At midnight there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. And in that it says, go ye out to meet him, I assume that if you're living in Jerusalem and you see Jesus come down on clouds just like he did when they saw him ascend the first time, you'd be able to go up on, I mean, I know this sounds a little sacrilegious, but I'm just telling you, this is what the Bible says, okay? And it says, go ye out to meet him. So isn't that a command that we should go up and meet him? Meaning, if we're living in Jerusalem, we see Jesus come down on the clouds. At that moment, we have about seven months left before he will return the second time to destroy all of the tares. So this is the cry. This is the absolute positive proof. Now, remember, Jesus said, no one knows the day or the hour, but the Father only. Well, when you see Jesus come down on a cloud, if you're living in Jerusalem, and you see the 144,000 with him, you know the day. You don't know the hour, but you know the day. That is, if you got my book anyway. <laughs> because you know that he comes back on trumpets, which is about seven months later. And we don't know the hour because, again, it says, at midnight there was a cry made. So you can conclude that probably sometime after the sun goes down, when trumpets becomes trumpets, any time after that, Jesus could return. And then Isaiah, I believe it's seventeen fourteen, says, At evening tide they are, and by morning they are not. Means that the day of the Lord is just that. It is one day. One, not even 24 hours. In the evening they are, in the morning they are not. So it's one evening and one morning. It is literally one day. And in that day is the day of trumpets, the day Jesus returns, 
That's the day that he returns to destroy all of the tares with the morning star, with the breath of his mouth, with a lightning sword coming out of his mouth, a two-edged sword, however you want to say it. And he destroys all of the tares in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. He destroys all of the tares. After the tares are all burned, then he gathers his wheat into the barn. The barn will come down ten days later. And after all the tares are destroyed, that's when the dead in Christ shall rise first on that day. Then we which are still alive, now we're talking trumpets, we're talking about seven months after first fruits, okay? On trumpets, that's when the dead in Christ rise first, and that's when we which are alive and remain, then we go up to meet the Lord in the year. And then and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, now it doesn't mean we're always going to be in the air, it just means from then on we're going to be with the Lord. So we go up to meet the Lord in the year. This is the day that we get our rewards, because he says, my reward is with me. So when he returns on trumpets, in other words, as king of kings, the lord of lords, the lamb doesn't give out rewards. The king of kings, the king gives out the rewards. His rewards are with him, and that's when if someone has not done works, it's exposed. If they've done works and they're not works to the right degree or they're not works for the right reason, they're all burned up. That's the scripture that says, but his works are burned up, but he himself is saved. Okay, then about 50 days later, the barley has been walking around the, on the earth, 144,000. And then on Pentecost, those people that are resurrected, that are ready, then go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it's two groups of people. It's either Jews or Gentiles. And those are they that are washed in the blood of the Lamb. Do you remember the angel said, What are these arrayed, and what rubs whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest, these are they which came out of great tribulation, and washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. So that means this is the group. And by the way, that's said immediately after the 144,000 are selected. So that's the group. That's of what you and I want to be a part of. And now not everybody that's saved gets to go in because, you know, the parable says those that were ready went in. So if you're ready, then you get to go in. Now, that go in, that means that that's when you go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, it is not about us. It's about Jesus. We only get two things. We get a wedding garment and a white horse. Jesus, however, comes Daniel, I believe it's uh, 244. Yeah, I think it's Daniel 2.44 says, And he comes near before the Father, and to him is given glory and dominion and a kingdom. I might not be quoted exactly correct, but it's close enough. Anyway, that's when Jesus is crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. That's when he receives many crowns, a vesture dipped in his own sacrifice blood, and a white horse. All of this came just, boom, like in a blink. I, I, I understand it. It's just, boom, it just came on me. And another thing is I'm studying this, all of a sudden it brought back a scripture. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'd read it, but I didn't understand it to this degree. But it's almost like I could see it. I, it's almost like, it's, it's so hard sometimes what God does. It's almost like I could see it. I could see Mary turning around and thinking it was the gardener, but she was actually talking to Jesus. And she says, sir, where have you laid his body? And Jesus simply said, Mary. And she recognized his voice. And then he said, don't touch me, for I've not ascended to the Father. Here, immediately after he arises, he tells Mary not to touch him. 
Yet a couple of days later, he calls Thomas to him and says, Thomas, feel the nail scars, feel the sword wound. And Thomas says, my Lord and my God. And he says, Thomas, because you have seen, you have believed. Blessed are those that are not seen and yet believed. So he told Thomas to touch him. So what happened? So obviously, sometime between his excursion with Mary there, saying, don't touch me, I've got to go to the heaven yet, and then Thomas, he actually went to heaven. What did he do? Well, we know that according to Leviticus sixteen fourteen, he had to drop his blood on the mercy seat westward because the blood is dropped upon the mercy seat eastward from the animals. So his would be on the westward side, and you can conclude, while the Bible doesn't say this, you can conclude that he also dipped his blood or dipped his, his wedding garment for the future wedding day in there because Revelation 19, it says, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. Well, whatever blood would go on the wedding garment, his vesture that he's going to return to earth in as king of kings and lord of lords. The blood of a bull? How about a turtle dove? No. The only blood that was going on that would be Jesus' blood. So all of that, again, appeared to me, not appeared to me, well, I guess kind of part of it did. It all happened in a moment. Now, if you are called to be a watchman, if you're called to be able to give an answer, called to win people in the days ahead, then I'm saying that God is calling you to get my book. Not that I'm trying to sell books, not that I'm trying to make money. Look, you don't make money giving them away like I'm doing here, okay? I'm saying you need the book so that you can give an answer. So you can lead people to the Lord. This is a soul-winning book, brothers and sisters. You've got to get this book. One for 20, five for 30, 10 for 55. Why not one for 20? I don't want you to do that. I want you to get at least five for 30 if you have four more copies to give away. Even better, get 10 for 55. You've got nine copies to give away. Now, uh, here's what I've heard. You go to give a copy away. The first question you get is, does the guy believe in pre-trib? Okay, here's the answer. It's talking about a guy that had 30 revelations from God and not one of those revelations was about the rapture. He does not talk about the rapture. It does not appear in his book. It's about the end times. It's not about the rapture. All of that is accurate. It does not appear in the book. And I don't think that they will be offended as they read the book, so so many other people have told me. And it may even be possible, if they don't look real closely, that they could actually get through the whole book and maybe still be pre-trip. It's not trying to refute the tribulation rapture, okay? But it's important for them to know because they will learn things that they have never seen before. Not, again, not patting me on the back. I'm saying that you're special. God has brought this information, I think, to specifically Prophecy Club people because he wants you to be able to give an answer. One for 20, five for 30, 10 for 55, or a case of 60 for $250. You get them at prophecyclub.com, prophecyclub.com. And I need to talk about something else here, too. It is summertime, and we've learned this over the 25 years in the ministry now. Every summer, people go on vacation, and they forget about their ministries. I can't explain it. I just know that our mailbox all of a sudden dries up, and they expect us to continue as a ministry on fumes. So if you believe in Prophecy Club, if you want to help us get this message out to many other people, then would you consider helping us at this particular point. This is a very dry point in our ministry, and we could really use your prayers and your financial gifts, prophecyclub.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your gifts of support. God bless. 
You can now watch 160 Prophecy Club recordings and soon over 300 without interruption. Most people would agree, 300 titles, normally $30 each, a gift of $100 a month would be reasonable, $50 a pretty good deal, but the introductory rate for a limited time is just $20, recurring monthly subscription. A one-year subscription is a gift of $200. There's no contract, you can cancel any time you want to, and you get the first three days free just to check it out. The best deal is a yearly subscription that will lock in your rate for a year even when we raise the rates. WatchProphecyClub.com. Go check it out. WatchProphecyClub.com. Now you can donate to the Prophecy Club on your mobile device. Just text the word PROPHECY to 444-999 and follow the prompts. Just text the word PROPHECY to 444-999 and follow the prompts. Message and data rates may apply. You can also listen to the Prophecy Club anytime on Alexa, Google Home, and YouTube. Just say, Alexa, play Prophecy Club. Our websites are prophecyclub.com, watchprophecyclub.com, sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com, and a Prophecy Club has been a blessing to you. And if God has blessed you, when it comes time for your giving, please remember Prophecy Club. It's summertime. We really could use your help now. Thank you, and God bless. Engage in the battle to win lost souls to Christ by supporting this ministry today.